hate to do this, but Fanny Crosby was wrong in that song, My Savior, First of All. She, well, she wasn't wrong. She just didn't have all the pieces. Uh, it says, when my life, that verse first goes, when my life is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and his smile will be the first to welcome me. I may not have to wait till I get to the other side. He may just one day come to clouds and take me out of here, and I'll see his smile before I get there. Uh, Miss Crosby didn't catch that one yet. She's back there in the time frame. I'll give her the 18, 20, 19, 15. They really weren't thinking about the rapture too much then. But I'm looking to the rapture, man. I, I want to look up. I want to see his smile like right there. And I, I'm like, I don't want to wait till I get over there, which ain't going to be too long to get there anyways. I think absent from the body, present of the Lord, you're there no matter what. But, boy, I'd rather see his smile the sooner I can. That's the way I'm looking at that thing. Uh, you know, they was talking about that book, uh, that last song they thought about the book. I don't know about you, but I can remember the day that the Lord put that thing in my hand. 1984, uh, right at 1985, probably in uh, December of 1984, uh, I was on the USS Scott, and Fritz Biederstadt caught me reading the New American Standard. And I was trying to get right with God, and he said, Mike, let me see that thing. And I showed it to him, and he opened it up and said, that's not a Bible. And I said, Fritz, what is? And he said, that's the first time really it ever ringed in my ears. He said, a King James 1611 is the word of God. And I said, Fritz, I said, Fritz, you got one of those. And he goes, yes. You know, I never argued with anybody, never fought with them. I just knew the one I had didn't work. I said, you got one of those? He goes, yeah. So he gives me one, and I open it up and start reading it. And shortly thereafter, man, that thing starts talking again. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, back there in, in 1980, I got saved out of a King James. But I didn't know it. I didn't even know the Bible was an issue. I said, four years later, you run me through all that stuff, but you put this thing back in my hand, and every answer I've ever needed has come off the pages of this book. Amen. And I've never found anything else to give me the answers that this book can give me, never. And like Jesse gave that, that, question, that, that testimony, that's exactly the same way I feel about it. I've come to this book hurting, and, and nobody can help me, and you flip the pages and start reading, and a verse will come off the pages, and he says, I'm going to take care of it. I got it, man. Trust me. Just, just walk with me a little further, just a little further. Be still. Know that I am God. Just be with me just a little further. It'll be okay, Mike. It'll be okay. And no, none of the rest of the world's ever been able to do that. Andrew, if you want to come. Andrew's going to preach tonight. Uh, I'm telling you, brethren, uh, the time is short. It is short. It's just short. Uh, they said that in 1989, and that's been a long, long time ago. Uh, but it's still short. It's getting shorter by the moment. By the moment. Amen. You turn to page 502 in your hymn book. <laughs> Just keep that going. I have some comments I need to make about that song as well. And if you think about a lot of the songs that we sing, we're, we're singing about the Lord, thinking in, with our perspective. But I can imagine when Fanny Crosby got to heaven that the Lord wanted to see her too. It wasn't just her wanting to see the Lord, first of all. It's the Lord wanting to see her as soon as she walked through the gates. I can imagine as much time as the Lord puts in at the back end of his Bible talking about his bride and how that's going to look and all the beauty that he defines in Revelation chapter number 19, chapter number 20, 21. And he talks about that thing coming out of heaven. He's going to be happy to see all of us there. It's not just going to be us there to see him. He's gonna, he made it and he's going to be happy that we are there to see him. Amen. That ought to excite you, man started here wow all right if you could while i'm putting this thing on if you could turn to the book of 
2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that um, I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, the first five songs that were sung had elements of eternity in them, and the last song that was sang was where we get those elements out of the Bible. And Christian, if you are going to survive in this life, at some point you're going to have to be thinking in some way, shape, or form as many, many times and as often as possible about eternity. And we're going to preach on eternity tonight. We're going to preach on thinking about eternity, having it front and center in your mind, not just the judgment seat of Christ and, and the beginning parts of eternity. But I'm talking about after everything that you read in this Bible is over, that eternity for the rest of time for the rest of whatever time is that time this night it's going to be a different type of time it's going to be gone away with the physical time that we see when that angel stands on heaven or earth and he stands on the sea and he says time's no more i'm talking about like well beyond way out into eternity you ought to be thinking about that all right are we on can you, can you hear me? back there have i have i forgotten to push a button that i need to push i have Okay, Second okay. Corinthians chapter number 4, the Bible says in verse 1, the title of this message is, The Light of Eternity. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them when they are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but, Jesus, or but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for uh, Jesus' sake. For God, who commandeth the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he with, which raised, us, uh, raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us also by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might be through the thanksgiving of many res, uh, resound, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, again. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Doesn't seem like it's a moment sometimes. But that's what the Bible says. Worketh for us far more exceeding and eternal way of glory. 
while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Brother Tim, can you open us up in prayer tonight? Thank you, Brother Tim. Like it's already been mentioned multiple times, uh, we all find ways throughout our years, through the experiences that we go through, through the experiences we watch other people go through. Uh, many times, difficult situations, and oftentimes I find that when we go through these things, we watch other people go through difficult situations. There's a commonality where we all tend to start at some point in the equation, start to think about future things with God. In particular, most of us tend to start out thinking in the situation we're in, again, or the situation the church is in, the, ch the situation maybe somebody else that we hear of that has gone through a very rough time or maybe a loss or something along the lines of that. And we start to think, as God wrote in the Bible for us to think about, Things in the light of eternity, when all hardship and troubles and trials and tribulations are no longer a thing, and they're gone, and you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about fighting, you don't have to worry about divorce, you don't have to worry about pain, you don't have to worry about suffering, you don't have to worry about heartache, loss, war, famine, fear. You don't have to worry about any of those things in eternity. And I know eternity is not right now, but it's put in the Bible and it's referenced in the Bible so that way we have something to think about when we go through the present trials and tribulations. And in the world and the day and age that we live in, in particular me thinking back in my own life, um, the fact that as of tomorrow I will be married seven years, it has been a very short time that I've been married to my wife. I feel like it's been just like that. And the two things you usually think of when you go through a situation where you're thinking about how much time you've been together with somebody is you think of the trials and the tribulations and the heartaches and also the fun times that you've had. But I'm also, as a third thing, looking towards the future. Because sometimes at various points in your marriage, you come, you come across a hardship and a hard time, and that's all you can think about. And I've come across, oh gosh, probably hundreds of times in my seven years where things were small problems and all the way up to the big stuff, the, the really big stuff, you know, that I'm never going to ever probably tell anybody in here, that, that type of big stuff that everybody in here in some way, shape, or form has probably been through. 
But, you know, looking back on many of those things, I can now say that they were, though they were extremely hard in the moment, they are now temporal. I can look back with this mindset and say these things, the hardships that I went through, the, the hard times, I mean the really hard times, it was just a short period of time. And if I'm to think of my life, let's say I lived to 70 years, let's say you lived to 70 years, as the Bible says, where it's kind of an average there. And you live 70 years in the light of eternity, that is but the blink of an eye. That is but the blink of an eye, Christian. I, there are, there, I was past graveyards all the time, but I just think about graveyards and, and all the trials and the tribulations that all the people had to go through, and now they're there, and either, either in one of two places, they're in heaven or hell, they're in eternity with the devil, and they're in eternity in hell, and eventually the lake of fire for the rest of eternity, or they're sitting there waiting for the resurrection. They are, they are seated in heavenly places. One of two places. And the difference between them and us is we have the ability to change what is going to happen in eternity, and they don't anymore. It's, it's, it's fixed. It's locked in place. And you don't hear too much preaching on eternity. Matter of fact, I can't remember the last message I've ever heard strictly on eternity because there's so little that you see in the Bible about what actually happens in eternity. Very, very little. Most of the time it's on everything prepped up to the judgment seat of Christ. There's the millennial reign. There's the tribulations. There's a lot of stuff that happens there throughout the Old and the New Testament. But there's very little when everything is rolled up and, and God folds everything up like a garment and he creates a new heaven and a new earth and all that stuff happens and then we're just there with him forever. There's not tons in the Bible written on that subject. But everything that I believe that happens in eternity will hinge on what we do right now. If God, if God, Christian, was to write, if he was to bring you, like I believe he brought Paul into various parts of the future, if he was to bring you into everything that he was going to do in eternity and then show you the weight of every individual action that you took here and how it would impact things there, it would change the way you view every individual thing you do. Every individual action you take, every word you say, if you were viewing it in light of what you hope and think and have heard of eternity, how different would your life be? How different would the things you focus on be? If every good thing that I said to somebody, it says, man, you hand a cup of water, he focuses on the small thing. You hand a cup of water in my name. What do you think you get in eternity, when God is, he ain't done with creation, people. He's not done with creation. And he's, he's creating all kinds of new things. We get to be there with him in whatever he decides to do over there and whatever position he puts you in based on what you've done here. What is the value of a soul that you win for you there? What's the value of a kind word that you say there? See, a lot of times we think of the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, I believe, is, is the lens between our world and eternity. Everything passes, everything that we do passes through the judgment seat of Christ. All our actions, all our works get filtered through that as Christians. And then it mirrors, it echoes in eternity. It echoes in the millennial reign. Everything that we do here bears weight in eternity. 
The Bible says here, for our light affliction, and, and Paul's saying a light affliction, and I know that if we were to think about all the things that Paul had to go through, in, in relation to some of the things we go through, most of these things are well and away light afflictions. We would consider these things to be great afflictions. Perplexed. What does he say here? We are troubled on every side. Well, I got a question for you. Have you ever been troubled on every side like that? Have you been in distress? Have you been perplexed? Why in the world would you do something like this, God, but not in despair? Have you been persecuted? Paul was stoned to death. And this, and this is him saying, our light affliction. Why? Because Paul's looking at the things in light of eternity, what I am going to gain, the things that I get to see, the things I get to be a part of in eternity based on what I'm doing right now and the suffering in my body that I have to do right now in this mortal thing called a body. It, I'm not even thinking about the pain. Not even consider, it's, it's a light thing for me now. Now we're in America here. I, I understand that. That's, that's the challenge is anytime we have to think of heartaches and trials and tribulations, we want them to kind of be as limited as possible. God, I want to go through trials. I just want it to be a flat tire. <laughs> I want to go through trials. I just want it to be a hangnail. God, I want to go through you know, pain and suffering. I want it to be a hangnail. God, I want to go through uh, uh, hardships, you know, my relationship, you know, but I, I only want it to last, uh, you know, a 10-minute fight and then be done. You know, I want people to, to persecute me, but God, I don't want them to throw rocks and to stone me. We want a muted version of everything that Paul had to go through, and somehow we expect the same reward in heaven. You know, I've made several comments over the last couple of years. You know, watching some of the things my dad goes, yeah, I'd like to have it. I want to have these, want to have these experiences. As a younger guy, you kind of, if you're, if you're trying to do something right for God, and you get enough, around enough older people who have done right, and God starts to bless them, you say, man, I'd like to have some of that. I can understand a little bit of what Elijah is saying, looking at Elijah and all the things that happened there, and God, if you can use him, and now I'm here, the guy behind him, I, I, I want to be kind of like that. And there's nothing wrong, younger men, with wanting God to use you, even if you don't become the Elijah or the Elisha, I'll preface that. That is a more worthy path to follow, then I want to be the best video game player in the world. I want to be a great, I want to have a, a, a nice Ferrari. I want to have a nice house. I want to have a, a yacht. I want to be, have power. I want to have the ability to influence people. And all. That is more of a worthy thing that I would say you ought to be looking towards. But man, sometimes in America, we get this muted God, I want that, but I don't want to go. Th I want to go through like a third of what that person had to go through to get that. And I can imagine here, as I was reading Paul's writings, that as he's saying, "For our light affliction, which is but for a moment," the only way he could say that was in seeing the value of what happened as a result of his affliction here in heaven. And Paul walking into eternity and getting to see everybody after him that got saved as a result of the things he endured and wrote. Of all the doctrines, all the people that lived right, not just the people that get saved, but the people that get saved and grow and live right and do what they're supposed to do and then they train other people and the whole thing all the way up to now and me preaching from the pulpit out of the writings of Paul. All the things that transpire as a result of the endurance that he had 
going through all the things that he has, and him looking forward to that. Could you only imagine what Paul is going to be able to do in eternity? Well, a Christian, if we, if we know anything about Paul, we know that Paul, everything that Paul did was to be a benefit to other people in the church, to get them of the same mindset, that you be of the same mind, that you be of the same accord, that you be in unity, same direction, moving in the same area. Why? Because the same things that Paul had to deal with and the same rewards that Paul was able to accomplish and earn are, Christian, the same things that you today in America, with all the craziness that we have going on, the same things that you can earn today. The question is, are you spending as much time as Paul thought on eternity as you could be? Are you spending time thinking about that? Does the thought cross your mind for any more than a few seconds a day, at some point I'm going to be standing on the flip side of everything that's written in that book, I'm going to be standing there. If you believe that book, I'm going to be standing there with God for the rest. Time's not even the word. Time's not even the word. That's a physical construct that we have. That's something physical that that God created. It's eternity. It just keeps going on. It's the absence of time. And I'm going to be there with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ, in a perfect existence. But my state there hinges on what I do every second of every day here. Not not that you think about eternity a couple times throughout your day and then you make all kinds of hosed up mistakes throughout the day and then you think of, you know, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to pay for this and I'm going to have to, that cost me something, you know, when I stand before the judgment seat. Christian, the problem we have in America is we have far too many things that distract us from eternity and very few things that ever draw light onto eternity in your life. You just take your day and you divide it into all the things that you focus on and how much time are you thinking about eternal things in whatever you're doing. Now I know the saying goes that you can be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good and so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, but I can't say that if you are not heavenly minded, you will be no earthly good. Because the more more I read Paul, the more I see that all he was thinking about, out there, out there, I'm running, I press toward the mark, What's the mark? Hey, out there in the future, where I know I'm going to be, the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And it's very easy, Christian, in the day and age that we live, maybe much more than it was in Paul's day, for us to get distracted from that mark in any one of the infinite number of degrees that you can get bent towards. I know for me, finances is a big thing that can distract me from the mark. Maybe 20 or 30% of the people in here, finances can do that for you. Every day, it's something where you have to focus. God, God, I, I put in my, my finances in your hands that you give me the right job. God, that you, you put me around the right people, that you give me the things I need to do that won't take me out of church, but also won't leave me begging and getting into sin and getting into thievery and all the other stuff that will happen. Maybe fear. Maybe you got all the money in the world, but you get fearful of all kinds of stuff at the drop of a hat. And your fear is something that can sway you. You get thinking about politics. You get thinking about, oh, the, the, what's the world going on? What's the food situation? And, oh, yeah, oh my, you know, the, the Russia thing can go, last a lot longer. And I hear inflation going, and the political spectrum, and all these different things. And God's saying, hey, buddy, I put in the Bible, press toward the mark. Anything that isn't that mark is not something you ought to be pressing towards. 
Why? Because when you get to that mark, you're going to stand right in front of me. I'm going to give you every, I'm going to run your entire life through the fire. And then you're going to stand before me for the rest of eternity based on that moment right there. I had an old, an old preacher that I was listening to. And he said, weirdest comment in the world. He's like, you know, I think everything that happens, all the creative works that are going to occur in eternity, because again, if you think that God just randomly decided that the only thing he's ever going to create is just heaven, earth, and that's going to be it for the rest of whatever, rest of eternity where he resides. If you think that's the only thing that God's ever going to do, you're out of your mind. All kinds of things that God is going to do out in eternity. And, I be, and he says, I believe there's going to be position and authority and all the different things, all the different areas that God is going to have for, for people to rule and reign and control and have access to, and the position and the authority you will have in that environment will entirely hinge on your ability to do what he tells you to do with the words that he puts on that, in that book. And so we have a lady that literally does nothing but throws two mites in a coffer. And the Lord Jesus Christ who inhabits eternity out here and all the greatness that there will be there looks and says she gave everything she had in the moment. One, one second of her life. What did that one second in that lady's life amount to in eternity? Well, it may have just been one act. Yeah, but it's an act. How many thousands and millions of times has that one act been preached and been a help to somebody in eternity, and all the different things as a result of that one act that she did, she, she, and all the faith that was required up until that one act, and all the effect it had on all the people throughout, great men like Charles Spurgeon had preached on that one lady. Like Moody have preached on that one lady. Dr. Peacock has preached on that lady. Dad has preached on that lady. Just about probably every preacher in this building has preached at some point in their lives in their ministry on that lady. And that carries all the way out into eternity, that one act. Christian, if you were to take, if you were to get a hold of God and ask God, God, in everything that I do, you realize how hard, how truly hard it is to control your stinking flesh. Because this thing is always warring against the spiritual side, which wants 100 percent control. Christian, 100 percent control of you. It wants all of you. The spiritual side of you, if it was completely freed, like it will be in heaven, every move you make, every breath that comes out of your mouth would either praise God or would have something to do with bringing God glory. Everything that you do. And how many times do we go hours and hours and hours letting this thing control? How many times? Every day. There may be somebody in here that is going to Forget everything I've said in here as they're walking out the door because something is going to come up like it always does. Maybe something came up before you walked in the door and that something is going to cont- and that's all you're thinking about this entire message and you're going to get out and that's all you're going to be thinking about walking out of your car. And God's going to, you're going to stand before God, not the best delivery in the world, not the most educated preacher by any stretch of the imagination. Good Lord, have ADHD and about 20 other problems going on in my brain right now but enough to warn you with what little I do know out of the Bible that at some point, every idle word, so if every idle word you're going to give an account of, Christian, you have the option of making those idle words useful words. You have the option of taking everything that God says you're going to give an account of at some point and flipping it around and using it for good. 
You know why you're giving account of idle words? Because you let the flesh let out the idle word. Because the spiritual side of you was not in control. And that flip-flop right there just cost you something in eternity. Yes, we like to talk about the gold, silver, the precious stones. Believe me, there is nothing better in your life. There, eternity, I don't think eternity past or eternity in the future, there will be no greater moment in your, in your entire existence than when God hands you whatever you have earned for him and you get the opportunity once. Drop it right back at his feet. And what is that going to be, Christian? What is that going to be? What is that going to be? Is it going to be crowns? Is it going to be jewels? Is it going to be gems? Is it going to be gold, silver, precious stones? I've been thinking about eternity. There's no, no coincidence those five, first five songs were on nothing but eternity. Nothing but the time that we're going to spend, the time we're going to spend over there with him on that side. You know how it becomes easier to think of the present troubles, the present heartaches, the present, as brutal as they may be, as much as they may wear this mind out, as much as they may wear and frail the body out, it is easier to deal with those things. They become much lighter of a load when you consider the overall picture that at some point God who is inhabiting eternity knows what I am going through right now, how hard it is, and he said that he is able to help me bear it. So that way, and all I have to do is just cast it on it. Well, God, if I just cast it on you, it's not going away. Yeah, but it becomes, it becomes his problem instead of mine. He said, what does he say? Cast all your care upon me. Why? Because it'll hinder you in eternity if you don't. You try to drag your care. You try to deal with your care. You know what it's going to do? Cost you at eternity. It'll prevent you from being able to do things down here that you would otherwise have been able to do that would have gotten you some gold, silver, and precious stones that you get to hand to him. And the position and the power and the, uh, the glory and everything else that you get in eternity. Now, believe me, when you're there and, and you're looking at all the different people and guys like Paul way up doing all kinds of crazy stuff and the lady right next to him that you know, did the two mites are probably in very similar positions as far as what God gave them to do. But believe me, there's not going to be any envy or jealousy in eternity. You are going to be content wherever God puts you based on what you, did, you got at the judgment seat of Christ, Christian, because you know that everything I did over here is going to be perfectly laid out. And you're going to get a reward for every little thing you did, and you're going to get lost for everything you could have done. You'll, it'll be laid out. Just like me and me, my, my wife were in accounting, and it's simply just the subject of gains and losses, gains and losses. And I, that's as simple as accounting is. Is, there, is. Are we positive or are we negative? Is there a gain? Is there a loss? Are the expenses outweighing the incomes? Now, that's not going to get you into heaven. That's not going to be what determines that. But, man, I don't want to get to heaven. And it's always been said multiple times, I don't want to get to heaven and have to see all the other people that I know. Guys like Paul, and he's just sitting there saying, man, it's a light affliction. It's a light affliction. I just got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep what? Why in the world focus on eternity? Well, verse number one, if I was to get into the message here, is to keep from fainting. The Bible says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. That's a very simple concept. These are all, all three points I have here, very simple concepts. If you faint, you forego everything that you could have done for the Lord 
until you bother to wake up again out of your sleep. If you wake up at all. Now, Brother Joe's mentioned a couple people that have been lost out. I've seen plenty of people in my own life in the last year of people that just went to sleep. They got out, they fell asleep, and you can yell, you can scream, wake up, wake up! And it's like Alex, when he's gone, man, he is gone. There is no waking the kid. He sleeps like a rock. And it's by God's grace that God, he's, he's shouted and used preachers and used teachers and used his word and used all manner of things to sit there and keep you awake. I think in this day and age, our biggest problem has been preached many times is we're just going to slowly go to sleep and we won't even know that we're asleep and we're all going to go to sleep together and eventually we're all, the whole church is going to be sleeping. God's going to be outside knocking on the door and we won't even be able to hear him because we're all asleep from the inside. Because if we wanted to hear him, we'd be awake waiting for him to knock on the door. Wait for whatever moment. Hey, he could come back. So if he's going to come back, we may as well stay, stay awake as much as we can, spiritually awake. Oh, he's knocking on the door. He ain't coming, but he's knocking and he wants to talk to us. Wants to deal with us. Got some issues. Got, hey, do this, this, this. Or I'm going to take your candlestick away. Why? Because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Why? And he doesn't just do this for a light affliction. It's an, there's an eternal weight, Amen. eternal weight of glory. Man, I want to be glorified. I want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means I want everything in eternity that he wants me to have. And I don't understand it. All I understand is through the, through the lens of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hair, stubble, and, and things in the millennium and things in the area around that, but I don't understand what's way out there, but I want to think about that because that's what God wants me to think about because of the little drop, the little sliver, the bat of an eye that is my life, it is, it is a, a tiny, tiny drop in the ocean of the world of my existence with God. You think how much time you're going to spend with the Lord and how much time it is relative to the percentage that we spend here on this earth? God saved you for all eternity, Correct? So he saved you to spend all of the rest of your existence with him. Keep repeating that because the more I get it in my own head, as somebody said, you know, that Brother Tim was preaching me, yeah, this is for me too. <laughs> I need to remind myself that every time I wake up in the morning and I don't immediately start to think of God, seconds of my life, seconds of my life that carry somewhat. Lord knows what that little time would be, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. You know, there's going to be a time when the sweet hour of prayer is over, like the song goes. There is no more sweet hour of prayer. We're there in the presence of God. So all the time that God says, man, you, you really try to get a hold of me? You really try to pray? I mean, yeah, I put you through some hard times. Did those hard times create more of a line, an open line of communication with me? Yeah, I know sometimes people say, well, you, well, you know, God's just like a, a third wheel or, you know, he's... He's that spare tire, and any time the tire blows out, that's when you go to the back of the car and you get them and you put them on. But man, I mean, how many times have people gone through hard times and didn't even bother to call him? Man, you're definitely, I can tell you're definitely right. When you go through a hard time, you're trying to, you're doing everything you can. Regardless of other people are trying to call you a hypocrite or, well, you should have been doing everything. Oh, yes, you probably should have. But if you're in a hard time and you haven't been close to God, the hard time could be to get you close to God. How many people in here? How many people in the jail? We see it all the time. I don't know how many of those guys are ever going to get out and do anything with their lives, but I know for a fact that 
that many of the times that we're in there, God has used them going into jail for whatever stupid reason they were in there for God to try to wake them up one more time. Why? Because God wants all those people over the ADC, over the Green County Jail, he wants them to be spending eternity with him in his glory with as much stuff as he's willing to give them. You know what Paul was looking for? He's looking for us. Man, light affliction, yeah, light affliction. I get to sit there and I get to watch from heaven's gates. I get to watch all the stuff that happened as a result of my ministry down there. God using my ministry to be able to bless so many other people. And these people start to, start to come through heaven's gates. Hey, Paul, man, glad. Thank you for going through all this. Thank you for the night and the day and the deep. And the trials and the tribulations, thank you for sitting there and singing in that jail. How many people do you think, when they heard that one message, changed their life? All the different experiences Paul had to go through. Thank you for getting snake bit on that island. Thank you for, for the, the stoning, Lord. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And it resonates with every last one of us in one of those ways. And we get to heaven in every, every single trial that Paul went through was a benefit to at least one person on this earth, if not hundreds of countless thousands. And Jesus Christ is the one who gets the glory because Paul turns around and sees him. And if it wasn't for what you did, I wouldn't be able to do anything I did. And he ends up getting all the glory. And for the rest of eternity, all we get to think is, God, thank you for giving me the ability to get this crown. Because if it wasn't for you, there would be no me and there would be no crown. And I get to spend the rest of eternity with you when I was a lost little six-year-old. And I knew I was going to hell. And I knew that at six years old, if something would have happened to me, I would have stood before you. And I had enough knowledge about you for you to throw me into hell and you would have been right. And you put me in a place where at six years old, that's probably the only way I would ever get saved, as hard-headed as I am, put me in a family and made a way for me to learn things that some people take years and years and years to even hear about, being around preachers that are in tune and hooked up to the book. Boy, you better be thinking about eternity if I'm going to give you all that stuff, because I may require quite a bit of things from you down on this earth to get the same level of things in heaven and in eternity that I would only require somebody else to throw into little mites. We ought to always be praising the Lord. We ought to always be thinking of the Lord, always thinking of things in the future, thinking of things pressing towards that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. And if you faint, you, will, you, may not, you may not get the things he wants you to have. We'll be out of time here in about three minutes. So focus on eternity. If you want to do that, you're going to have to keep from fainting. We switch over to chapter number five, which is the continuation of this dealing in our earthly tabernacle. The Bible says... In verses 6 and 7, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 
For you to focus on eternity, you have to keep from fainting, which means you must keep walking by faith. And that's not faith that you just have. It's faith that God gives you. And if you, just like the faith that you have to get to get saved, that's not your faith. That's faith that God gives you. That's the gift of God, the faith that God allows you to have to receive him. That's not something you're good. Your, your faith isn't good enough to get you into heaven, believe me. My faith is not good enough. All my righteousness are in filthy, filthy rags before, and that righteousness includes all the faith that I had too. The faith that he gives me to get saved and the faith that he gives me to understand that he's out there in the future and I need to just keep following him right now in the present, no matter what he allows to occur in my life, good or bad. And I thank him for the good times, man. Oh, thank him for the good times. It's a balance. He's not going to give you one without the other. You continue to walk by faith that will keep you from fainting. And what do we have right at the end of this? That was a very quick point. I spent all my, my time talking monologue. Keep from fainting. Keep walking by faith so that you can finish well. And that finishing well for us is going to be in verse 9 and 10. Chapter number 5, the Bible says, wherefore, or excuse me, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Finish well. Christian, you have the option. You have two options. You have the option of finishing poorly, and you have the option, option of finishing well. And it would be a sad thing for the rest of eternity to know, after he wipes all those tears off, to know that, and I don't know, maybe he, wipe, maybe he wipes the memory of that away too, but to get to eternity out there and to not have everything you could have had because you didn't finish well, because you fainted or you stopped walking by faith. And Christian, in the day and age that we live, and I'm done, we got all kinds of crazy things that we have to deal with, and we are exposed to nonsense on a daily basis. We're exposed to all kinds of things that are going to distract us, that are going to hinder us, that are going to wear us out, slow us down, work us up, run us into the ground. But Christian, if you can keep the idea in your mind that God put eternity out in front of you, you're going to get there one way, shape, or form, and that if you can endure the things you have to endure today, all the trials, tribulations, whatever it may be, when you get to eternity, it will be worth everything you got through down here. say look at notes in the Bible, but Schofield has a great note on what he just said there. Uh, right underneath that it says, the judgment of the believer's work, when you get to that judgment seat of Christ, it says the judgment of the, of the believer's works, not sin is in question here. These have been, uh, been atoned for and are remembered no more forever. Thank God for that, man. My sins are washed, they're washed away, they're gone. Uh, but every work must come into judgment. Everything you've ever done got to come in. Got to come into judgment. Brother, if you got a song, you got, it's got to happen. And, and I'm like Andrew. What, what is out in eternity, it's hard to fathom. you got moments down here, just moments. Uh, James said your life is but a vapor, like a smoke's going up and it's gone. And that's all I have to do something. That lady who threw the two mites in, that maybe all she got to do, she got four verses of the Bible. I don't got that. She did pretty good. I mean, you don't know. That moment is just a moment, but... However long eternity goes, however far it is out there, man, I mean, 
billions and billions and billions and trillions of years. I mean, if the evolutionists can use it, surely we can. They're out there. It's going to be out there. And it's going to go on forever and ever. And what I do in this vapor, just this little vapor, is what matters to God out there. He said, Mike, I gave it all to you anyways. It's, it's mine. I gave it to you. But how are you going to use it in the presence you're in right now? And to give the thing up and let it go? Man, it's, it's, it's of no value. This, what I do down here, what I gain, what I could possibly get is of no value unless it's to God. People say, why do you do what you do? Because he did it for me. Man, I read Paul. I'm like Andrew. I read that. I watch what he did for me. And I look at Paul doing every bit of that for me 2,000 years later and anybody else that got it. And I'm telling you, man, I, I, I ain't got much time. I just don't have it. But what little time I have, I want to give him. And let him do with what, you know, he can take the two, I bet you, man, the temple was probably built with that two mites. I, I don't know what he did, but I'm telling you what, the Lord can take that two mites. If he can feed them guys in the wilderness for 40 years and feed them and the shoes don't wear off their feet, then he can do just about anything with anything you got. We say, oh, I ain't, now it doesn't matter, whoa, 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 you don't have to be no rocket scientist. All you have to do is be willing. 